Good morning, church. Uh, the scripture reading will be from Luke 17, chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And when he was a Samaritan, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Second Kings 5, chapter 5, 1-15. Now Nathan was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because, because through him the Lord has given victory to Abram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now brands or raiders from Aaron had gone out and taken captive of young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would, he would, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him, what the girl from Israel has said. By all means, go, the king of Abram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. No, so Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robe and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a, gar a quarrel with me. When Elijah, the man of God, <clears throat> heard the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him a message. Why have you torn your robe? Have the man <clears throat> come to me and with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house? Elijah sent a message to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Fafar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters? <clears throat> all the waters of Israel, could I watch them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went, went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great things, would you not have done it? 
How much more then will he tell you? Watch and be cleansed. So he went down and dipped in himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. Amen. 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 Thank you, Joyce. Thank you. Oh, you can keep that. It's a souvenir. So there you go. Um, Good job, Joyce. Thank you. It's always uh, good to hear the reading of the Word of the Lord. And if you'd ever like to, to read, just let me know. We'd love to have you come up here. I appreciate uh, everybody's courage when they, when they step up here. You guys are a scary bunch looking at you, um, especially when there's a word from the Lord uh, coming today. And it's uh, coming from uh, 2 Kings chapter 5. So keep your Bibles open there on the back of your bulletin. Uh, it is blank, and I'm going to give you five things to write down today. And our time is uh, kind of limited, so I want you to get ready to write these five things down. There's a pen in front of you. You can write down anything the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And I know uh, Jennifer actually already mentioned it in our uh, announcement time, but I want to, again, uh, invite you to our marriage seminar uh, this weekend. We put the schedule in there for you because we want everybody to be a part of it. And so I'm, I'm going to take time out of the message right now just to talk to you for a moment because Leslie and I have been married 25 years and I want to let you know that we have gone to many uh, marriage seminars. We've gone to uh, national ones or big name speakers. We've gone to arenas. We've gone to retreats. We've uh, gone to all of them that we've had here at the church and we try to have one a year. And, and I want to tell you that, that every time we've gone, it's been a good investment in our marriage. That when we've taken the time and the money to, to invest in our marriage, God always blesses that. And so I'm going to ask you, uh, and that's why we printed out the schedule on here, Friday and Saturday, to just make an investment in your marriage. If you can, please come and, and make that investment. If you're thinking about getting married, you are married, about to be married, you've been married a long time, it doesn't matter, we'd love for you to come. Maybe you can only come Friday night or Saturday morning. It's worth the investment to uh, come. It's worth the $25, and really the $25 is only to cover uh, what's in the gift bag, a booklet, and some other things there at the conference. So again, that's just what it's there for. But uh, uh, if that's hindering you from coming, I want you to let me know because I want you to be there. We'll figure out a way to get you there. And if you'd like to sponsor a couple, let me know and we'll, we'll let you do that as well. But uh, um, the schedule's there for you. Something that uh, we didn't put on any of the flyers because we didn't know. I see a hand. I bet you I'm going to answer your question. Child care? Oh, Oh, on the website, go to christianlifechurch.org, and you go there, and you just, the, the first thing there is you click, the, you click this picture of, uh, well, it's not on here, but the picture of the couple, <laughs> that picture, that'll be on the website. Click on that, take you right to the, to the registration. You can always call the church office if you don't like doing things online, and here's the other thing, I don't care if you show up that night, I want you to be there. Um, so definitely come and be a part of it. Click on the website. You can register right there, pay right there, everything. If you'd rather pay by check or cash, you can do that at the door. But again, we want you to be there. And we didn't put it on there, but I am so excited to announce I talked to Luke, and we do have child care. So 
uh, if you have children, that is not, um, that's not a, a hindrance anymore because you can come and bring your children. Again, just let us know. Just call the office. Let us know they're coming. We've got plenty of babysitters. We're really excited about that. Um, I want you to take time to invest in your marriage. So if you can come, whether it be Friday night or Saturday, both preferably, you won't be disappointed. It'll be great. Be there um, and learn and grow and have fun together, okay? Commercial's over. It's your second commercial for the day, but hey, you get, uh, you get extra. It's worth it, right? All right. Today's passages um, are all about expectations. And when I think about marriage, I think that marriage has the highest expectations, right? If you're getting married or thinking about getting married or want to get married or whatever, and, and when you go into marriage, it seems like those are the highest expectations in life. And we all have expectations for different things, and, and, and so sometimes in marriage when our expectations are met, Man, we're happy, right? When, when things go the way we think they should go, thumbs up, it's great, we're happy, it's awesome. But all too often, um, expectations are not met. And there's sadness, and there's hurt, and there's a brokenness that comes from unmet expectations. Sometimes we go into things with the wrong expectations, or unrealistic expectations or selfish expectations, but we go into everything with expectations. Now, I'm not just talking about marriage here, because really it's all of life, right? We have expectations for everything. We, we have expectations of the college we choose. We have expectations of the job we get. We have expectations of, of, of pretty much any relationship that we have in this world. There are certain expectations. We even have expectations with God. We think sometimes, well, he should do this or he should do that. And so we expect him to do certain things. And, and I just want to let you in on a little secret today that when there are unmet expectations in our life, that's where the enemy comes in. He's there to steal, kill, and destroy. And so there are moments in our life that, that we don't have our expectations met in our marriage or at work or just in life, sometimes with our prayers to God, and so we, we get brokenhearted. And so then we say, well, I, I'm not going to have any expectations, because if I don't have any expectations, I, I won't be disappointed, and that's not what God wants either. Sometimes we think, well, I'm going to meet everybody's expectations, and then everybody will like me. Ha <laughs> ha, right? Not everybody's going to like you. You're not ice cream, okay? So... So we can't meet everybody's expectations. In our story today, Naaman has a lot of expectations. Naaman is a Gentile. He's a pagan. He's not a child of God. He is an outsider. He's a very powerful commander of the enemy army. He's always been victorious. He is admired. It tells us in the text that he is a mighty warrior He's very successful, and he's always been successful in life. He's just that guy. He's name it until now, because now there's a death sentence on his life. He has leprosy, a degenerative skin disease that will make him an outcast and will destroy his body, and he will die an ugly death. 
It says in verse 2 that at the time the Aramean raidants had invaded the land of Israel, among the captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. And one day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go and see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. I love this little girl because in some ways I think she's the hero of the story, right? She's the one that had faith, the faith of a child to believe, yeah, God is going to answer my prayer. He's going to answer Naaman's prayer. That's how big, that's how awesome my God is. But why would she even tell him in the first place? She's a slave. She's been captured. She doesn't have any freedom, and yet she still shares the good news about her God with someone who owns her. And I think it's so amazing because she shared the good news because she had the good news. And we live in a world that needs the good news, and so we're called to share the good news because our faith in God not only transforms our life, but can transform any life. And so we're called to have that faith and to share about God. When Naaman heard that God could heal him, you know, he wanted to be healed. So he goes and he, he gets the letter from the king and he gets all these presents and all these gifts and he, and he takes off and he goes to the king of Israel expecting that that's the moment that God will come and cure him. But how disappointing it must have been when Naaman shows up and the king tears his clothes and says, why are you here? You're as good as dead. That's what the text says. You're, you're as good. I can't make you come back to life. And the king rips his clothes and so I'm sure the expectations of Naaman once again have been shattered. Elisha hears the news and says, send him to me. And so, all right, another glimmer of hope. I'll see the prophet. He'll wave his magic wand and then I'll be healed. And he goes to the prophet's house. And the prophet doesn't come out, but this little servant boy comes out and says, prophet's a little busy. He can't talk to you right now, but good news. Go down the Jordan, dip seven times, all okay. All right? Thanks for coming. We'll see you later. <laughs> and again, Naaman's expectation is that the, the prophet would come out, wave his magic wand, do his little thing. He's had an audience with the king, so surely this prophet will come and see him. But no, it doesn't happen that way. He won't even come out to talk to him. And, and Naaman says, I'm out of here. Another expectation shattered. And so he, at this point, he's starting to get angry. Jumping to verse 11, it says, But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out and meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call in the name of the Lord his God to heal me. But aren't the rivers in Damascus, the, the Abana and the Farpar, far better rivers than any of these in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? And so Naaman went away in a rage. Every expectation that Naaman had for his healing was shattered, and he's like, okay, that's it, I'm out of here. That's what happens when our expectations aren't met. We get sad, we get hurt, we get angry. And that's where he's at right here. He wanted to be healed, he just didn't want to be healed that way. And so he goes and he leaves in a rage. I want to talk to each one of you today. Because this happens in all of our lives. We have expectations. And when they are not met, we get hurt, we get sad, and we get angry. And we'll just talk about Naaman. We're not going to talk about you or me because it's easier to talk about someone else, right? So let's talk about him. 
When his expectations weren't met, he got really angry. He got angry at God. He got angry with everyone around him. He's like, just forget it. And what happens is it's because we're hurt. That anger is just the surface emotion. Deep down, we're really hurt. We're sad. It's like, this shouldn't be this way. I shouldn't have to go through this. And so we get... We get this, this anger that begins to build up. And really, you know what it's covering up? It's covering up pride. We're embarrassed. We're humbled. When our spouse doesn't treat us with the respect or the honor that we think they should or they don't do what they know we want them to do or the child is doing their own thing and not the thing we want them to do or... Or, or I go to work and, and they just, they're just using me at work and, and just, you, know, just, you just go through it all. And, and sometimes if we boil it down to it, it's our pride being hurt. The Bible is super clear about one thing. And we're going to talk about this in a couple weeks when our scriptures are about prayer. But God says this over and over and over again. Old Testament, New Testament, all the way through the Bible. He says, I oppose the proud, but I give grace to the humble. And so when we feel that anger coming up, find out if it's not a little bit of our pride, that we've been hurt, that we've been embarrassed, that things didn't go our way. And then all of a sudden it starts building, and and what's interesting in the story, it starts as like he starts just stomping away in in a temper tantrum, but then by the end it's a full-blown rage. So watch your pride. Because pride never works with God. He opposes that. He fights it. He's against that. Luckily, Naaman's not alone in the situation. Picking up at verse 13, it says, But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something really difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So shouldn't? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. I'm so glad he listened. He listened, he obeyed, and he was healed. If I was a regular preacher, that would be my three points right there. He listened, he obeyed, and he was healed. That's a good sermon right there. Just take that. But, but that's a freebie. He listened, he obeyed, and he was healed. He's also very grateful. He came back to say thank you, to give gifts, because his life would be changed forever. So what do we learn from this passage of Scripture? These are the five things before we go I'd like you to write down. Five things we learn from this passage of Scripture. Number one, God loves it when we share our faith. God loves it when we share our faith. This little girl believed God, and she shared her faith. I think it's so interesting that she did, because you you think about her. She's been taken captive in slavery. God didn't even rescue her but she's still sharing that her God's mighty and powerful because she knows that her God is. And, and the other thing is, is they could have rejected her. What do you know? You're just a little slave girl. And she could have been rejected. You might be rejected when you share your faith, but it's okay because people need to hear 
the good news. They need to hear about a powerful God who loves them, will save them, deliver them, and set them free. Don't be quiet, even when the world tells you to be quiet, because you have something that everybody needs to hear about. You have a mighty God, and you have one that can come and can rescue, and our world needs this, so don't hold back. The devil is so busy stealing, killing, destroying, it's time for us to say, I know a Savior. I know a God. I know a God who wants to give you full, rich, satisfying, abundant life. God loves it when we share our faith. Number two, God uses difficulties to do something big in our life. God uses difficulties to do something big in our lives. Sometimes when life is good, we don't have time for God. Not on purpose, we just get busy, we don't really need him, and so he's not really on our radar, and so he kind of comes in when he becomes our last resort, then we go to him. But I want to tell you that, that, that God's there for us every step of the journey. It doesn't just have to be the difficult times, but sometimes he uses those times more because we're going through a difficult moment. And I want to say this clearly, that no one enjoys a difficult moment, Amen. right? And I know, talking to you, reading your prayer requests, knowing what we're going through. I mean, I know we're in a difficult, it's just a difficult time. And, and it's in those difficult times that our expectations are sometimes not met, and so we can begin to become angry. But God's saying, no, I want you to come to me because I'm going to use those struggles to produce something inside of you that God wants to use it. Don't just rush through it. Don't waste it. God wants to use it. He wants to take you to another level. And I want to again, be super clear about this, that God does not cause the difficulties in our life. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. God came for abundant life. So God doesn't cause it, but he wants to use it. And so he's saying in the most difficult times of life, when you feel that anger, when you feel that sadness, when you feel that hurt, and you feel the expectations have not been met, that's the time to come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy, laden, burdened in the most difficult moments of your life. Don't run away. Don't fight it. Don't waste it. Come to me. And the hard part about difficulties are there no, there's no shortcuts out of them. There may be a, a miraculous thing that happens here and there, but, but sometimes the miracle is the process getting you through that. And so we're called to to move toward maturity, to allow God to take us to the next level, to trust him, to keep a good attitude in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the unmet expectations, to keep that good attitude, to work with God, to obey him, to listen to him, to have faith, because that's when we need our faith the most, right? When things are hard, that's when we need faith the most. Because if things were easy, we wouldn't need faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I need to come to God and put my faith in him because he will use anything that's happening into my life for his glory. He will make it good. And so we go to him. The next thing we learn is that God isn't just uh, interested in insiders. The Bible is super clear in the most popular verse in the Bible, John 3.16, that for God so loved the whole world. God loves everyone. 
This good news isn't for a few, it's for many, it's for all, it's not for the deserving, it's not for the quote-unquote good. Naaman shows us that God will show mercy on who he wants to show mercy, and so he wants to show mercy. He loves the whole world. He is interested in everybody. There's no one out of bounds that we shouldn't share our faith with, and so we are called to share our faith, our hope, our love with a lost and dying world with everyone you meet. The next thing we learn is that God loves to see lives changed. He loves to see lives changed. God wants to do more in your life than you could ever imagine. He wants to do more in other people's lives than you could ever think. God wants to take the old and give you something new. He wants to take your sin and give you righteousness. That's just who God is. That's who he wants. Don't hold on to the old life. Give him your life. Trade it in. That's his gift. And there's nothing too hard for him. There's no one too far from him. He wants to see every life changed. Finally, God requires simple obedience. That's the last thing we learn. God requires simple obedience. What's amazing when you read this story, and, and if you grew up in church, you've probably heard this story many times, so you know the ending, but, but as I was trying to listen to it for the first time, what was scary is that Naaman almost missed his miracle. He almost missed his miracle. Because his expectations weren't met, and so he was just getting angry, and he was going to leave. He had to go down and dip seven times, not five times, not six times, but seven times in the Jordan. And so he's like, all right, fine, I'll go. And he goes down there. And can you just imagine him? First dip, can't believe I'm doing this. Second dip, can't believe my wife talked me into this. Third dip, this is really cold. Fourth dip, dirty, dirty river. Fifth dip, I don't think this was working. Sixth dip, oh, please, dear God, let this work. Seventh dip, oh, my skin's like a, a child's skin. You know, that he, he got the miracle because he obeyed. He said, if, if they would have asked you to do a hard thing, you would have done it, right? You did a big thing, you would have done it, right? Why not do the simple thing? That's what God wants in our life. We see Pastor Merrill going to India how many times, year after year, and, and, he, and he goes, and I go, that's a big thing for God. I want to do a big thing for God. I want to tell you that a lot of times God is just asking us to do the simple thing, the little thing. Because the little things that we do, those compound and they get greater, and that's actually a really big thing. He says, I want you to do the little things. Will you do the little things? Will you spend time with me? Will you open the word? Will you pray? Will you give? Will you go to a small group? Will you go to a seminar? Just these little things, that, that doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. Yes, it, it matters because those are the simple things. And the funny thing is that it's when it's the little things that we say, yeah, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy. I'm too hurt. That's not really on my radar. It's, and so we complain that we don't have to do the little things. We don't want to do the little things. But we need to say, Yes to the little things, because here's something, it's not on the screen, but you can just write this down. Simple obedience is the best obedience. Simple obedience is the best obedience. Well, I'll, I'll obey God in the big things. No, simple obedience 
is the best obedience. Coach Vince Lombardi is famous for a saying. His Green Bay Packers were supposed to win the championship one year, and they lost in a horrible fashion. And so he gathered the team together the next year at the beginning of the season, and he said, okay, guys, we've got to start from the beginning. And famously, he picked up a football, and he says, this is a football. (laughs) We're starting from the beginning. This is a football. And what's amazing is they actually won the championship that year because they started with the little things. This is a little football. God is saying, this is my word. This is my promises. This is... uh, This is a marriage seminar I'd like you to go to. This is a group I'd like you to join. This is the time I'd like you to spend with me today. Just, it's simple. It's not a big thing. It's a simple thing, but it's those simple things that lead to big things. It was a simple thing that led to the championship. It's the simple things that compound. And we just say, okay, God, no matter what, I'm following you. I'm doing what you asked me to do. And yes, my expectations, they may be met, they may not be met, but all my hope is going to be in you. As believers, we recognize that God is our God. Very quickly in our gospel reading, it was the the story of the ten lepers. They cry out to Jesus to be healed, and, and God so graciously healed them. Jesus just said, go and show yourselves. And as they left, it said they were healed. They had that new young skin-like name. And as they went, and they probably were just like, oh, this is great. And they're all going to the priest and then going home. But there's one that never even made it to the priest because he saw it. And he turned around, and he came back. And on his knees, he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Jesus says, weren't there 10? That tells me that 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 God has an expectation for us to say thank you. He has an expectation that his people would acknowledge him, that they would obey him, that they would worship him. He has that expectation, and, and I don't want God's expectations of me to be unmet. And so in that story, it's very interesting, because at the end of the story, it says, your faith has saved you. What's true about the story is that all ten were healed, but only one was saved. Because when Jesus says your faith has saved you, that's the Greek word sozo, which has so many meanings. One would be forgiveness of sins or salvation, but it's also wholeness, completeness, fullness. And so God says, yeah, for you, it's the whole package because you came back and you said thank you. You came back and you spent time with me. You came back and did the little things. That's what God is calling us to do. We have to realize that, and there's a difference between believers and unbelievers, and I, I don't always like that terminology because it gives a sense that there's an insider and outsider, but as believers, what I mean by that is that we acknowledge God. We acknowledge that that we have everything from him, that there's nothing that we have that he didn't give us, and that he doesn't give us bad things. He's the giver of good and perfect gifts, and so we just realize that that there is a God, and, and, and we bow to him, we worship him, we thank him, we listen to him, we obey him, we meet his expectation, he doesn't meet ours. And I love what it says in Deuteronomy 8, 18, remember the Lord your God, he is the one who gives you the power to be successful. That I would remember God, 
that I would go back to him and, and name him when he was healed. He just wanted to say thank you. And the, 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 one, the one leper, the, the outsider of the group came back. He said, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what God wants. And so he wants us to remember him, to recognize him, to worship him, to say thank you, to listen to him, to obey him. Not in the big things, but in the little things. To tell others about him, to abide with him. That's the heart of God. It's the simple things that he's calling us to today. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me as we pray? Lord, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for these stories that you put into your word for our lives. Lord, I, I know that there are so many that life didn't go the way they expected. And Lord, we may sit here hurt or sad or angry, but you're calling us to call on you, to come to you, to simply listen, simply obey, to follow because you want to heal us, you want to restore us, you want to make us strong, you want to give us abundant life. And so, Lord, we want to simply obey you to receive that. We recognize that, God, sometimes we're even mad at you because you could have done something. And you should have healed us by now. And you should have. But God, we lay down our expectations and recognize that you are good, that your love endures forever, that you've got us now and for all eternity. And Lord, we will not become angry or bitter. We will simply listen and obey. And God, we know that you're going to bring healing. Lord, Give us boldness to tell others. Lord, we have the good news. We have the abundant life. We may be rejected, but may we be bold in you. And most of all, Jesus, may we just simply abide in you. May we often find ourselves at your feet saying thank you, thank you, thank you. Worthy, holy, Good, wonderful, beautiful, Jesus. Seal your word in our heart and may it find good ground that it may grow this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.